Hey everybody, it's Jacob Newton here, professional hockey player and mental health coach, advocate, all of the above. My good buddies over at Sports Epreneur and I did a podcast together about a year ago. And ever since then, we've been keeping in touch, creating content podcasts now. So if anybody out there is interested in doing the same, having their own podcast or want some type of content creation, don't hesitate to reach out to those guys at Sports Epreneur. They are willing and able to help you out. And after listening, don't hesitate in leaving a review. And then you'll get much more access to all of my content across the Sports Epreneur platform. Hello, everybody. It's Jacob Newton here again with another episode of the RAV Podcast, Raw, Authentic, and Vulnerable. On today's episode, I've got my very, very good friend, my main man, just kind of crazy. We played together all the way back in 2011 with the, at that time, Lake Erie Monsters in the AHL. Now they are the Cleveland Monsters. Um, but like last, last episode, I was talking um, with, with Alexander Miner there about um, playing with many, many different players throughout my career and my junior days and college days. And for some reason, you keep in touch with some and, and some you don't. And there's no really reason for it. But uh, Greg, and myself have always kept in touch. Again, we played together in 2011. Um, and we're actually, we're fortunate enough uh, to have played against each other this season. Um, and uh, so anyhow, I'm going to now turn it over to, to Greg and let him introduce himself. And then, uh, yeah, anyhow, Greg, take it over, brother. Yeah. I want to say first off, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's pretty weird that we've uh, been buddies for so long. And, uh, you know, with the hockey world and everything so crazy, we've only actually seen each other like three or four times. So, right. um uh, good friendship, but uh, yeah, um, Greg Malden um, from a small town in Holliston, Massachusetts, about uh, 30 minutes west of Boston. Uh, grew up there, born and raised, uh, played my youth hockey there uh, until high school. Um, played my junior and senior year with the Junior Bruins. Uh, got a scholarship to UMass Amherst where I played three years and then uh, turned pro at the uh, age of 21 thinking I was going to be an NHL superstar and uh, life throws some curveballs curve at you. Um, and then uh, just kind of, you know, went to the minors a little bit, uh, went over to Europe, then kind of refound myself and came back to the, uh, to play in the American League and worked my way up to getting, uh, you know, about 30 some odd NHL games. And, you know, for the last uh, well, eight seasons or so, been playing in Europe, been playing uh, five years in Switzerland, uh, one in Germany, uh, Croatia and year and a half in, in Norway now. So here I am. Boom. Love that, buddy. Well, again, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time out of your day to be on this. I'm sure there's going to be many people that will listen to this and gain a lot of insights uh, into life, into, of course, your life. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, I wanted to hop right into it. Um, and maybe you could speak on some of your past experiences in terms of racial discrimination. Um, you had mentioned to me, uh, was it last two seasons ago, I think when you were in Croatia, um, that maybe some type of incident had taken place uh, with fans or something like that. So if you'd be willing to, uh, to maybe share some of that with, with the listeners. Yeah, yeah, it's no problem. So I've actually had a, uh, two uh, occasions such as that. Um, most recent was in uh, Croatia. Or I wasn't in Croatia, I'm sorry. I was playing for my Croatian team in Zagreb and we were playing in, uh, in, against an Austrian team. And um, me and this other guy, uh, Jordan Samuel Thomas, who's also who's also black. We were actually we playing the same line. We we're having a you know really good game, and um, you know next thing you know, uh, you know we drew a penalty, and you start hearing people making monkey sounds and you know doing the arms and stuff like that. And um, 
it's kind of interesting. It's one of those things. It was such an intense game at that point that you're, I know for him and I were so focused on trying to win the game mm-hmm. that you don't really take it in until you get on the bench and then you're just like, what the heck's, you know, are we, is this really happening? Yeah. Um, and for him and I, I don't know, you know, I think we, you know, funny thing is that I actually coached him when he was a little bit younger, <laughs> when we were younger. So um, we just, we kind of just like, didn't even really think about it, to be honest, because it was such, it was like 3-2 game, it was so intense. And it was actually, you know, one of those things that after it happened, um, we're in the locker room and some of the other guys seemed to be more offended and shocked um, towards it, which um, was very nice. It was very, you know, knowing that your teammates have your back like that. Um, and then even later on, um, the league came out, um, you know, with an issue, you know, with a statement saying if this ever happens again, um, you know, these are repercussions. And, and our coach, uh, you know, had a meeting with the whole team and said, like, listen, this stuff happens again. We're walking off the ice. This is not acceptable in a pro um, situation. Right. Um, so it was really nice to know that, you know, everyone had our back. Um, you know, and that's just unfortunate. That's just the way the way it goes. And, um, you know, it could have been one or two people to get someone else started. And, you know, I don't want to um, even say the, say the town because I don't want to judge a whole group of people on, uh, you know, a handful of people's actions. Right. Um, so is that. But um, interesting enough, as uh, what happened in Croatia where our team folded, um, later on that team actually tried to get me to go there and play for them. And it was like, no, I can't, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I, you know, that just doesn't, uh, doesn't sit well with me that, you know, at one point people are making monkey and saying whatever racial stuff to me that I don't know in a different language. And then all of a sudden they want me there uh, to help them. And I was like, no, I, I can't do that at a principal. So um, that was one occasion. I was most recent. Um, and the only other one that I really had with fans was uh, when I was playing in Sweden. Um, and that was more, that was more of, I, I felt it more there because our team was getting killed at the time of that game and, uh, you know, skin down the ice and, you know, the monkey sounds are being made and all that sort of things. And you look up in the stands and, you know, people giving me this thing like that and, and, you know, waving me off and this thing. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like, you know, I've never, you know, I've gotten along with every Swedish person I've ever been around. You know, I, um, I, you know, it's not like I'm a dirty player or anything like that. So, to have that happen, I was like very shocked. And once again, you don't want to judge a whole town or even a team by actions of a handful of people. And going through the handshake line, I remember after that game, I was shaking my head, like, you know, is this stuff still going on? This, mm. You know, we're adults now. And, uh, their, you know, their team skated by and shook my hand and said, hey, like, you know, we apologize. That's, you know, that's dumb stuff that we can't believe that's happened. And, and they apologized. And, um, which I thought was really nice that they apologized for their fans. Um, but once again, it's just, it's, um, you know, growing up, I think I was kind of, uh, taught at a young age that these things might happen. Mm. Um, so it gave me the tools as I got older to, uh, to deal with it. And, you know, going to that, um, as a young, uh, black hockey player my my dad prepared me very well for that actually um and I don't know thinking about it, I don't know how how you go about that uh you know telling an eight-year-old that this is a stuff that might happen that you are um different and you're playing a different sport that there's not a lot of black hockey players right. and <laughs> you're entering a different world and you know how it was dealt with and um I think he did a good job 
a very good job and handled it in stride because um, outside of those two incidents, uh, as a pro hockey player, I've never had anything in a 16-year career. Mm. Um, I had a lot more stuff when I was younger, um, you know, where there were a lot of fights, um, a, a lot of fights, a lot of, a lot of scraps, a lot of um, just stuff like that where you're just like, all right, this stuff is being – at that age, you don't really know, right? So it's obviously being taught to them somehow from somebody. And that, that's the more, that's a sad thing, I think, when you look back on it now, um, that kids aren't just coming up with this, you know, you don't know those kind of words as a kid at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, right? I mean, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, those kids probably don't even really know what the impact that they had on it. Mm. Um, but obviously, I did at that age, and there was, there was fights. Um, um, I had, you know, I remember, probably the last one before I turned pro was um, I was in high school and, you know, I was, I was having a really good game and, you know, I guess one of the guys thought that this is the best way to get under his skin. And um, yeah, it was, you know, I wanted to win the game so bad and I dealt with, you know, before when I was younger, you know, so I, I you know, I did the right thing. You know, like he kind of said the kids get away. So I, I kind of skid after him like, what, you know, give him a push. And, you know, I, you know, said something to the coach and the coach is like, you know, you know, trying to get the ref over like, Hey, we have a serious incident here. Like this is, um, this can't be happening. This is an away game. And so I'm losing it. And you know, my dad, obviously he knows my reaction. He, he sees what's going on. And then somehow I get a penalty and, um, we get out of the penalty box and then there's just an all out brawl, um, on the ice. Like, like I step out, my teammates were jumping over. It was, it was actually really, really awesome. Uh, you know, when I look back and think about those guys, um, they, they just, they, you know, and then we're all in the penalty box and they're yelling at the other team, you know, like, you know, telling them like, Hey, that's real cool. Like, you know, be a racist now. Like that's, um, we're out here trying to play, you know, play a game of hockey and we're going to take it to that level. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, that unfortunately it's, it's happened, but, um, I've never, it's, it's, it's one of those things, I guess I was so prepared as a, unfortunately as a young kid, um, with it that, um, growing up, it, you know, in those two situations, they, they weren't, they weren't really face to face. You know what I mean? They weren't like someone right in my face saying that as, as much as I was, as a kid. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, you just, it, it's, it's so unfortunate and it just goes to show that, you know, that stuff is still kind of out there and in, in certain places and people still, don't understand the full meaning of, of, you know, what it is and, and how it affects people. Um, but everyone, everyone deals with that stuff in their own way, I guess. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I, and my question to you would be then, you know, it sounds like your, your father did an incredible job at, like you said, preparing you, you know, uh, equipping you with the tools um, necessary to overcome those, um, those, those situations, those experiences, because, I think that had you not had maybe those lessons that your father was teaching you, you know, when you're eight, nine, 10, and I'm, I would imagine it happened throughout your teenage years, you know, maybe little things here and there, but had you not had those tools, wouldn't you say it probably would have had a, a much bigger health uh, or impact, excuse me, um, on, on your mental state. Um, if, again, if you didn't have those tools that your father gave you. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you think back on how he prepared me in those ways. And, uh, it was, uh, I look back probably at it now and you're probably like, man, if I say this, if you look, they'd probably think that was, it, it was probably a little harsh, but it wasn't like the coddling, uh, you know, 
they're there. It's like, I mean, it was that, but at the same time, it was more like, Hey, this is, this stuff will happen in life. Yeah. Um, this will not unfortunately be the last time that this happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just even at that young age, like I, I like the way you responded to it. Um, you know, he, he obviously, Hey, not everyone's a racist. Not everyone's going to say this kind of things. Like there's going to be a handful of bad apples out there that say these things. And, you know, you can't let it consume you in a way that, you know, you're thinking that guy said, that guy saying something, that guy saying something mm-hmm. because it's not going to be like that. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, mentally at a young age, I was, you know, thinking back, I'm really happy that I was able to process it that way. Mm. Um, and not let it take over because there are <laughs> for every like one or two incidents there, I've had a billion amazing ones, you know, where I've had, I've had my teammates step up and have my back and, and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, shows their character and there are, there are people that know that there's a line been crossed. Right. Um, and, and that, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the, the side that he kind of put to me was, listen, this, this stuff's going to happen. And there's two ways you can go about it. You can go about fighting uh, all the time. And he's like, I have, I have no uh, really problem with that. Like you got to stand up for yourself um, right. at some points or you can, <laughs> you know, kind of just, you know, keep proving everyone wrong that, you know, you're a hockey player. You can play. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, whatever. You can play the game. Right. And it doesn't matter. You're going to keep on going. And, you know, a lot of stuff I, I tried to use as, as fuel, I think, looking back to you, you know, being, you know, one of the, I think, better players at that age. Um, you know, other parents may be scared and, you know, okay, like this, they're not going to say anything about trials or this team or that team that they can make because, you know, maybe they don't want me taking their son's spot or, uh, and, and that sort of thing. And I don't know, I don't know. I, I know I was cut from a handful of teams when I was younger that I thought I should have made. Yeah. Looking back now, do I think it was racially motivated? I don't know. Um, um, but those were some of the best things that ever happened to me. We're not making those teams uh, looking back at it. Yeah. And if I had to do it all over again, um, if you kind of switch to that side of it, like at that age, uh, still, you know, waiting up, you know, to get the phone call to see if you made the, you know, that top team and two times where I didn't make it back to back years, I remember bawling, being in tears and, um, you know, you know, just crying myself to sleep at night and my dad saying, Hey, listen, like, it's okay to make that team, but like, you know, you just got to keep on moving forward. Um, cause you're, you're going to play in that same league. You get to play that team again. So you get the chance to prove yourself right. against them, them wrong. And, you know, and I kind of always kept that mentality, I guess, just, um, you always, someone's always watching, right? There's someone's always watching and you can keep proving yourself. And you, there's either two ways you can go about it. You can either, you know, uh, cry and sulk and, and, and just all poor me, or you can do something about it. Mm. And it's a very fine line um, because I think there was that period where people need that time to decompress and just let it out and, and be upset. Right. Um, as long as you don't let it I think snowball to the, the side where you can't, can't get it back to be who you are and what you what you really want to do right absolutely and you could probably even translate that to the same thing of, of having those racial situations happen right you could sit there and sulk and and be mad and kind of allow that situation to use you right or you could you could turn it around and, and allow it to to feel you to be to be a better person to use these people's um unfortunate actions 
feel you to, to be a better grade, to understand that that is wrong, no matter, again, if, if you're black or if you're, if you're of any type of color or even, even white. I think there is some yeah. type of stuff that goes on um, against white people. I don't, you don't hear those stories, yeah. right? But I think it's important for people to hear this lesson, hear what Greg is saying, and that he didn't allow it to get him down and, and, and you know, maybe go the other direction, maybe become a bad person himself, right? He used it as motivation to, to stay true to who he was as a, as a human, right? And continue making the right decisions in life because at a certain point, maybe not so much again, like you had mentioned when you were younger at eight, nine, 10 years old, so much of our behavior at that time in our lives is learned behavior, right? But- exactly. On the other hand, when you're playing professional hockey two seasons ago and these fans are, are doing these things, these people know. They know exactly what they're doing. They know how wrong it is, right? And I, and I speak a lot about so much of what people put out there is just a pure projection of how they're feeling on the inside. So I would certainly imagine that all of these individuals, whether it be in Austria or in Sweden, the ones that started it, the ones that were doing it, weren't doing too well in their own personal life. And that's why they, they acted the way they did right but i would yeah. see that it wasn't people that were feeling good about themselves in their own lives you know no and it's anytime i go back to these incidences uh it's never been a one-on-one -on -one thing where someone's come up to my face and done it because you know in hockey you have that glass in between it. everyone's really tough and there's no you know you can't get to anyone or anything like that so uh it was one of those things where i honestly um wasn't there wasn't much sleep loss on either case to be honest because it was I just know how how a group of people can be and um just kind of going back on that too um you know as you get older and stuff like that people make subtle jokes and that sort of stuff and and it's one of those things that i've had to deal with and let people know like hey there's a line like mm. you're tiptoeing it don't cross and like i said most guys uh are very respectful and it's okay my, my bad you know i mean just Guys haven't got, guys have been making jokes, having, having fun. Um, but, it, you know, I think at a young age, since I was prepared uh, for it and, and mentally, I, I was very confident in myself to say, like, this is what I'm going to allow people to, to do and this is what I'm willing to put up with. Yeah. Anything more than that, like, no, like, let people know right away that they're crossing the line. Right. And I think that's something that um, took me a little bit to, to get used to, mm. to doing, because I don't, you know, I'm a very... I'd say more passive person. I don't want to be confrontational, but at the same time, um, I know I have that side of me that, okay, like you've crossed the line, like you're, you're tiptoeing on the line, like, Hey man, like, you know, let's have a talk about this for a second. Yeah. Cause I've had that, I had that even this year with a, a teammate. Um, and he, you know, I knew he didn't mean, you know, it was all jokes and stuff like that, but I had one talk with him and he was like, Oh man, I'm so, like, I was like, I didn't, I, I, you know, I thought we were, you know, like, you know, I didn't know what the, you know what I mean? And he, and he, and all of a sudden he was like dumbfounded, like, Oh my God, am I that guy? And yeah. immediately, immediately it was just, it was over with. Right. And I didn't, I didn't think back on it. You know, I just said, okay, let it, you know, and it's been fine. And I think there was a lot of stuff that if I wasn't prepared mentally to, at a young age or gone through these kind of things, mm. I wouldn't have the confidence to do that. And I think a lot of the things, um, our confidence comes from being able to try to get over the humps of, past situations that we've had in our life or using past situations to help help us grow mm. um grow into who we are or or how we're gonna define ourselves or what we're gonna gonna do because i think everyone um whether athlete whether working in business or something um you know we can we can kind of draw back on 
other stuff and use it as fuel or use it as a growing experience to, to grow, um, to grow mentally and become mentally stronger. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, for hockey guys, you know, we just have to do these extra sprints and blah, blah, and all the, all these bag skates. And a lot of it isn't so much about the conditioning. It's about, can you battle through it mentally and get through it? Um, it's just like people in the army. It's not about, you're going to be doing all these runs and all this stuff at the time, but it's like, can you mentally battle through it? Where's your mental capacity at to stick with it and, and not give in to, um, that, I guess that quit kind of mindset, right. Um, where you, where you tap out. Um, and that's, I guess what I try to use, um, in my own life for a lot of things. Um, you know, especially when we're, you know, going through the summer trainings or the bag skates or, and actually that stuff is very easy for me. That's the physical stuff is very easy for me. And actually the mental challenge for me is the coming home and, you know, making sure I cook a good meal, like I show or, or not take a nap or, or make sure, um, you know, making sure I'm paying the bills on time and, and doing those like little business stuff works. Like for me, that's where like addict to call where, uh, my inner bitch comes out where I'm just like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to do that. And I, and I hate saying that, but, um, I've listened to a few guys on YouTube and he talks about it and that's, and for other people, this is, I've been raised and I've had more success with coaches that have been harder on me. Mm. Um, just for me, that's not for everyone. Right. Um, I've actually, so when I say I call myself, uh, my inner bitch or a bit like for me, that's a, that's a way of me saying, man, like I wouldn't want someone else to do this. And now you're, this is, this is not who you want to be. And that's why I call my, my alter ego when I'm not doing things according to who I believe I am. Right. Yeah. Um, and one, one thing I wanted to touch on to go back a little bit before we get too far away from it is, you know, Greg had mentioned that he's not the most confrontational guy, um, which is fine. <laughs> there, I, I'm the same way, but we have our boundaries, right? We have enough self-confidence and we have enough self-respect in ourselves so that when that person is tiptoeing that lie, that line that Greg is able to speak up, but there are also many people that are the same, not confrontational, but don't have that self-respect and that self-confidence to speak up. So chances are then maybe they're a little bit uh, fragile mentally, right? So I would imagine that, again, there's, there's going to be many people in the world that have had the very, very same types of experiences as you. And maybe these guys are, are tiptoeing on that line. And instead of this person just speaking their truth, saying, hey, buddy, you're right there. Instead of that, they internalize it, they go home, and now they're dealing with some mental health stuff, right? And <clears throat> I think all too often, unfortunately, in society today, we're seeing so many people um, commit suicides. And, and killing themselves because they're not able to just step up for themselves. They don't have that confidence, that respect to just do exactly what Greg has done many times in his past. Um, so again, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here from what Greg is saying. Um, and I think one we could say is just to, to speak up, not be afraid so much about the, the reaction you might get from somebody if you do speak up, because then you're caring more about that person than you are yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, and hey, hey. So I continue. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just continue. I just kind of add, add on to that. I think, um, you know, a lot of people that aren't confrontation or, or kind of just take it and kind of take it. Um, it is, I've, I've seen it and, and people, it is a very powerful thing to, to stand up for yourself um, more verbally than, than physically. Um, I think physically it's, 
it, you know, for guys or some people it comes naturally just in the world that we're in, uh, the hockey world is very natural, but to do it more verbally, um, it's a very powerful thing. And for someone that's going through something that what, like that, whether it's at, either at work or something like that, um, you know, whether it's a boss or something like, you know, your boss is saying something to you. Um, I've always found that the best way, even with like, you know, cause you know, when you're in the schoolyard or something like that, someone's bigger than you or, um, I think probably the best way to go about it and try not to internalize it. Cause I, I, I do see people do that. We see people do it all the time in the hockey world. If something goes wrong, they take it home. You, I think like we said, you have to set those boundaries for yourself mm. and maybe write them down or even just, um, whatever, and maybe practice it in the mirror or something. And one of the biggest ways that I do it. So you don't come at the person who's maybe, uh, engaging you in, in a negative way. You can say, Hey, you know, no disrespect, but I don't really like the way you're coming at me right now. Um, you know, you got to talk about this. And I've found in, in those cases, whether it's not even, you know, hockey, whether it's just people at the gym or, or stuff like that, like um, even people that are just possibly just like kind of annoying to you, like, hey, no respect, I, I just need my own time right now. Most of the time, people are very, if you say it that way, they're kind of caught off guard and they, they got to kind of get put back on their heels a little bit. Mm. And then they kind of feel on the deep, you know, a little bit taken back. Yeah. And I think that gives you a little bit of an edge, not necessarily an edge, but like just a, hey, like, I'm awake here. Um, I have boundaries. And then whether, whether it goes from there, at least you can kind of, I think, go home and be like, Okay, I, I did something for myself. Yeah. And maybe it just puts you in a better state of mind that, hey, I stood up for myself today. Right. Um and maybe you're not carrying the weight home as much as as much as it would be if you just kind of like maybe just kind of took it and internalize it. Because I've done a lot of that too, where you take it home, you take it home and you internalize it and you're just like, oh, and you start to go stir crazy and you're like, Man, I should have said this, I, I could have done that. And mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, you start getting upset with yourself. And I think that's where a lot of the mental depression comes from. And that's where um, you know, it happens once it's okay, but then it happens over and over and over again. And I can easily see how people, how people go to get to a certain level of committing suicide or really having these, these mental health issues because it can, it really only takes, you know, one time to have, um, something just go negative and people take it. To, to heart i mean you could you could tell someone you know good job good job good job good job for for a whole year but you say hey that wasn't that great and that's what people hang on to yes and i, I think one of the best ways for people to kind of practice this um is nowadays with social media mm. man we post something on social media it's it's you get a billion likes and then you get one person in the comment saying like uh that's that's photoshopped or, oh, that's you look fat or blah blah and I think that's a good way to kind of practice like and, and take in, okay, I have all these positive things coming at me and I have that one person, like that person means nothing. Like take the other stuff, like, just feel good, take all that negative stuff, you know, let it slide away because like you said earlier, that person probably has something going on in their own life with the fact that they need to take the time out to let you know how bad something is. Right. Like, and, it, and it's really no different when you, when you, when you kind of, you can uh, kind of, 
switch it over to what the people did during the games, right? They had that, that the, the glass in front of them, yeah. right? So the, yeah, the glass exactly. for them was the computer screen or the phone. <laughs> 100%. The protection. Again, they would never say this face to face because now they got to yeah. deal with potential consequences for that for yeah. their actions, you know? Um, yeah. and, and one thing I wanted to, to throw in here in terms of a story, which Greg, I'm not even sure if you remember this happening, but it'll, it'll, I was tiptoeing the line and you stepped up and I, and it, this just actually came to me. So it was when we were playing together, uh, we were playing for Cleveland. We had uh, a practice at our practice facility in Strongsville where I actually wind up training sometimes in the summers. Cause I live in Cleveland now, but, uh, yeah, we were just in the lounge uh one day before practice you and i and one other guy were sitting on the couch we we're all talking you were actually sitting on like the the counter where the tv was and we were always watching nhl highlights and everything so anyhow here are you i you and i are we're, we're in conversation and I, and again i don't know if you remember this but somebody had actually thrown a banana peel at you um yeah and and again i don't think you remember that but immediately right in that moment you you immediately your attention was each instantly taken away from our conversation and you had you had stepped up you you spoke up to that guy right away hey man that's not cool i think those were your actual lot like this is exactly what you said hey man that's not cool and he instantly stood like like you said he was taken aback he was probably not expecting you to do that he was expecting you to maybe laugh thinking it was an okay joke and that to me and that to you um, and I think eventually to him, it, it's not okay. There's no way that that's okay. Like that, that to me is in some ways a lot worse than what the fans were doing, you know, because that yes. kind of is face to face in a sense, yeah. you know, um, do you yeah. even remember that? I, I, now that you've mentioned it, I do. But it was one of those things that like, like I said, I was, I'm very good at kind of letting it, you know what I mean? Like boom, happened, letting it go. Yeah. Um, now you, now you said, I do remember it. I do know who it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like, like I said, there's, their lines like that like to me i'm like that's not even that's like for me that's a non-negotiable like of course that's that's like you're apologizing or then for me there's there's a bigger problem and right there's um because even at that age going back to it now i don't know so much on the ice or whatever but there was a thing like you know i remember my dad telling me like or telling me or telling her like if he ever heard that i was just kind of letting someone do that to me mm. without sending out to myself like it'd probably be more it'd probably be more upset with me more there'd be more repercussions right uh, from him uh and i don't want to make it sound like he was a, as a bad guy but he just didn't want me to be one of those people that was bullied um, at that, yeah. especially at the age when you are smaller or, and that sort of thing but yeah um, that's you know unfortunately that's sort of that we live in but at the same time that we, that we live in um i would rather have it the way it was back then where people had to do stuff face to face um if you're going to be a bully you had to do it face to face it wasn't also social media yeah um and the one thing with being a, a bully uh there's at the office at school at university you had to do it face to face and if you did it face to face there was that chance after maybe so many times someone gets fed up and then you get punched and everyone <laughs> you know everyone you know can be tough when they're behind a computer behind a glass but when you have to do it face to face it's, it's different because especially i think with people if they've taken it and they've taken it and you do it face to face one time and i don't want to condone obviously any of these school shootings that have happened or something like that but people can only take so much before they before they uh you know they snap or they need an outlet and if you don't have the proper outlet right um or someone to talk to even mm. um to vent to or um these are the things that can happen i mean i know 
for me. I, I did a lot of writing in journals, um, just um, most, mostly just because, because uh, I wouldn't be able to get, there was a way for me to, to mentally get over a bad game or even a good game. Right. Um, I actually found um, having a good game could have been more detrimental to my um, success than anything if I didn't write it down and, and, and get it out. Because mentally I was thinking I was so much better um, than maybe I was. And I needed to, I found it to be a way for me to channel whatever emotions I was feeling in that game and, and let it go mm. <laughs> so I can prepare for the next one. Right. Um, and that for me was a lot of the, you know, the struggles of, you know, as a pro hockey player going through, you know, at a younger age, um, you know, mentally was, was very tough for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think, I think like, like you, um, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of coaches, like I said, I, I actually find myself, and I don't know if this is something that's messed up with me a little bit, um, you know, just in the way I was brought up, like we're, you know, growing up in a very stern, uh, pretty stern household, fun loving, but stern, very direct, very honest. And I've thrived under coaches such as that. Yeah. Or like, I need the, I need the coaches kind of in my face, uh, yelling at me, being very direct, like good job, bad job. Were you scared of that guy? You take that hit. Like, yeah. um, and sometimes mentally I'm like, man, this guy's such a jerk, but I'm like, no, no, I need this. I need this. This, this helps me, helps me out a lot. Yeah. Um, but I'm able, I've also seen, I'm able to cope with that because of my upbringing and my past. We're yeah. seeing some guys mentally just break down, <laughs> mentally break down and they can't, they, they can't play for that, that coach anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Cause, and I, I think as a coach, oof, it's not just about X and O's. It's about being a little bit of a psychologist too mm -hmm. and figuring out where people are mentally and who, what guys you can push the buttons on and which ones you can't. Cause I think a lot of coaches just say, no, it's my way or the high. We're going to do it this way. Yeah which is fine for someone like myself or like you, that you can handle that and you can process it. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys that can't do it that way. And the ones that can't, there's not only do their skills start to d diminish and decrease, but their attitude, their want to play hockey, mm. um, you know, going home isn't the same for them anymore because for me, going to the rink is a fun place. And if I was in that state and I've seen guys in that state where they like, being at the arena, but if they're not having fun there and they're mentally getting beat up by the coaches and they can't handle it, then all of a sudden their love and their joy at the rink is like, okay, well, I don't have that here. I'm in a foreign country. I don't have any of my friends around. So how do I, how do I deal with that? And even for guys that um, can deal with it, uh, one of my teammates, he's, he's great at it. And we sit next to each other in the locker room and we'll, we're each other's kind of uh, mental coach there here and there. Cause you know, there are times when, when I go through it, times when he goes through it and I'll, I'll be honest, like having him there uh, is awesome because, you know, if I'm going well and he's not like, I can, you know, give my energy to him and, you know, mentally pick him up, you know, from, you know, what he's feeling. And, you know, I can do the same thing. He does the same thing for me. Um, and, it can change, you know, how quick it changes in, in the game of hockey, like mentally, you, you know, you're, you're in a bad spot and then you're right back to a good spot. And, um, you know, I think all of us as hockey, we've gone through it at some point and for every, you know, I guess negative thing people have probably heard me say about hockey players and, and things that I've gone through, there's billions of good guys that I've come across that 
uh, and keep in touch with, you know, you being one of them that, you know, we've shot back so much quotes and mental stuff together and, and just motivational stuff um, where I think that's where my mind is mostly a motivational um, stuff and how to keep people motivated and upbeat, um, you know, aside from the, the mental health stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's interesting, you know, we were on the phone a little bit earlier or was it yesterday? Um, but actually when I think about it now, it's, uh, had it not been for you, who knows if I ever would have gone down the path of, of working on my mental game on the mental training, because, uh, back again, when we were playing in 2011, I'll never forget. I was, I was, uh, it might've actually been, we had a team like dinner or Thanksgiving or something like that at the owner's house. And, uh, we were driving home after, and I was on the phone with you and you had brought up the book mind gym to me. Um, and just said, you kind of bring it around with you everywhere. It was like your, your quote unquote Bible. Um, yeah. and from that moment, the first thing I did, I think, you know, when I got home was I went and ordered that book or I went to the, the Barnes and Noble or whatever and bought that book. And, and again, that book was instrumental for me in terms of, of my hockey career. Um, and then that, that book led to another book, which led to another book. And then before you know it. I, I am now able to handle these things that you speak about in terms of coaches of streaming and, and things like that, because now I have the tools, right. Mm -hmm. to, to overcome these things. Um, and then what Greg's speaking about too, is, you know, having that outlet, having that person to speak to, you know, maybe if, if you don't have this guy in the locker room sitting right next to you, maybe if he's simply a, across the locker room, maybe you guys don't build this type of connection where you two can both come to each other with this type mm -hmm. of stuff. And now, you have the understanding you guys are going through this together and it's so much more powerful when you can share with a person where you guys are on the same path, right? You're you. And so everything's very similar to one another. Right. Um, and real quick, I wanted to go back. Uh, and again, I had this in my mind. I didn't want to lose it before we move on, but in terms of speaking up for yourself, right. You, you had mentioned that it happens over and over and over again and people never do, they never do, but also understand people is that, by speaking up for yourself, you do it the first time, you're going to gain confidence through it so that the next time that same situation happens because inevitably it's going to happen again. Again, now you can look back on your past experience of speaking up and now it's a little bit not as heavy. Maybe you don't care so much about what this other person might think. And then again, you're going to do it and you're gonna, every time you do it, you're just now building momentum for yourself. And eventually you're going to have that confidence to speak up um, really in any situation in your life, right? Um, so, uh, so anyhow, Greg, buddy, uh, just some incredible insights you're, you're putting out there. And, uh, next, next thing I wanted to talk about, you know, you've spoken so much already about, about your father. Um, and what people don't know is that your father has passed away. Um, and so that's what I would, I would like to jump into. Um, and, and again, how that had an impact on you. It sounds like you and your father had an incredible relationship, um, maybe stern at times, but like you said, fun and loving. Um, so there, maybe there was a good balance, right? Um, to where you had, I, I would imagine you had such high respect for your father. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. losing, losing someone like that, obviously so close to you, I would imagine certainly played a significant role in, in your mental state. Yeah. Um, that was uh, obviously a, a tough time in my life. It was my senior year of high school, uh, three days before Christmas. Um, you know, you, you kind of, I mean, he was battling cancer, so you, you kind of see it. Um, taken taken you know shape and everything like that and um yeah you know just just the little things you, you start to you know see a guy who you, you, I physically looked up to you know we worked out all the time together um and then getting you know calls um during that senior year before like 
because he, he was uh, at home in bed and he didn't want to be in the hospital after all the testing. Mm. You know, my mom called me to come home because he fell out of the bed and had to, you know, pick up the guy that I looked up to physically yeah. and pick him up and put him in bed. And that stuff was really, really tough for me um, to the point where that happened enough where you're almost, you're like, all right, there's no need for him to suffer anymore. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's, yeah. you know, you, you start wishing for him to pass on because you can't, I couldn't talk to him the same way. And these are the things I didn't want to remember him and the way that he was right. um, like, that, you know, his last moments. Um, but yeah, like you said, like we had a great relationship growing up, um, very fun, loving, but um, I got the understanding of, you know, <laughs> hockey's expensive. Um, yeah. work hard when you're out there but most importantly have fun and that's what I try to take with me take with me now and I think that was probably the first I guess psychology lesson I ever had uh, um, was work hard and have fun and to me that was everything mm. work hard and have fun it's so simple but um, it's something I've always carried with me um, but yes going back to to him passing away um, it was tough it, it was it was really tough, um, but I think it was handled in a proper manner. Um, I, you know, I, I I'm assuming at some point my mom and him had conversations on what would happen because I think you, you could kind of see the writing on the wall. Mm. Um, but the one thing I will give credit to um, my mom a ton of a ton of credit was, which I don't know if they talked about. No, not, but nothing was, nothing essentially changed. Um, hey, after Christmas vacation, I didn't want to go back to school. It's like, nope, you're, you're right back on the horse, like right back at the school. Like um, even to the point where I'm not even sure if they talked to my junior coach at the time, who once I came back playing, it was, nope, nothing changes. Like I'm going to treat you the same way, the same as, you know what I mean? Like doesn't change. Like you're late, blah, blah, this, this, and this. And I remember thinking at the time, like, I can't do this. This is stupid. Why am I, you know, but I remember at the actual funeral, my mom wearing all white because what we want to do, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate the life, even though, it, you know, he was 56 and it was short. You want to celebrate uh, the life. And, um, you know, I was at a place mentally to say to myself, okay, I was 18 when he passed away that sucks. That's not fair. He's in good shape, blah, blah, blah. But there's handfuls, there's billions of kids out there. Either don't get to meet their dad. Mm. Don't have the good relationship that we had. Um, you know, don't have the connections, don't have all this, that, that or everything. Don't even get to meet him. And I'm sitting here thinking I had 18 great years where I got to know him probably more so than more people because of all the car rides from to hockey. Yeah. all the tournaments all the just the goofing around uh just all that kind of stuff that i think allowed me to take that and just say you know what it's okay you know it's 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 okay i have great memories of him and i wouldn't change those and don't get me wrong even now that i'm older it does it gets a pretty sad sometimes when you know people you know have their dad at games yeah. at the pro level and and that sort of thing um, but it's, you know, I've come to terms with the fact that life is not fair and, um, 
you know, kind of interesting kind of going back on it because, you know, my, my junior coach, right, when I came back, you know, obviously he was very, you know, you know, remorseful about every, the situation, stuff like that. Um, but he, he treated me very much the same way. And I remember, let's see, a handful of years back, maybe three years back, two years back, his dad passed away. Okay. Um, so he's much older now, you know, he's in his, in his forties and, you know, his dad's much older. His dad passes away and I go to the, to the funeral and, um, cause I'm still very close to them. And I remember afterwards we were hanging out, we we're talking. He said, you know, I don't understand how you did what you did at 18 mm. and still came back. And I still kind of kept on you the hard way that I did. And you dug and you st- stayed with it. He goes, cause right now, I'm an absolute mess. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, he goes, and you were 18. He goes, you were just becoming an independent because I'm in my forties now with a family of my own and I am distraught and I don't know how to handle this. Mm. And he, and it was kind of interesting because he turned to me, he goes, I have to give you so much more credit now mm. for how you handled everything at that age um, and playing hockey and then going on to finish up the season and being unbelievable and, and, and doing all the things that you did with all that weight you know, that mentally in your head, yeah. um, weighing on you. And he goes, now here I am just a, you know, just a coach of my own family. And he was, I couldn't even, you know, get myself, you know, out of bed and, and do this thing. I had to be a, a father. And he's like, I just, he was, I give you so much credit for doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with just the way I turned it and how my, my mom turned it into, we're not going to make this, um, it is sad, but we're not going to turn it into a, a sad event. We're going to, you know, honor him by celebrating his memory. And the, I, the best thing that I think um, for me, which makes everything a lot easier is there's stuff that I say or do that I'm like, man, I sound just like, I'm like, oh man, that's what he, even my mom will say to my sister, everyone's like, man, you, you guys, you know, do all these similar things. And um, that's the way I've been able to get, get over um a lot of that stuff and sometimes it's you know even now it's 18 years later so like it's more it's still uh it's still very tough like i said i see people there you know my dad's in town you know for the games and um there's those times where i just sit back and i'm like oh man that sucks like this would have been this something that i feel like i should have been able to do right um, with my dad but um just it's just the way the way things go, and um, you know, I, I just try to find a way to, uh, you know, to honor him and working hard and having fun. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I think kind of get a little emotional, but I think going back on it, you know, at eighteen, I'm, uh, that was tough. You know, you yeah. you you think that the world should just stop mm. for you, and the one thing that I learned is it doesn't people will be at the wake people at the funeral and it doesn't stop people will feel sorry for you but they have their own lives to go on with and just because they're your best friends or whatever doesn't mean that they don't feel sorry for you but they have their own problems to go on with Mm. and they will be there i'm sure if you talk to them but like you're not on your own but you have to find a way sometimes just to cope with it on your own and and be in a good place when you're alone because 
I think when you have all the distractions around, um, whether you're, you know, whether at the rank or you're at work or something or at school, sometimes the distractions can help you forget or you go to the parties to help you forget about what you're going through. But I find when you're alone, that's when all those thoughts creep into the, <laughs> into your head. Right. right. Um, you know, when you're laying at bed and you can't sleep and then every, every sort of, uh, you know, critter and thing that we can make up in our head just comes to life for some odd reason. Mm. And it, uh, you got to kind of, you know, those demons, the battlers are sometimes tough. I know I still have them, not to an extent where a lot of people do, mm. um, but everyone still has their own demons, right? No matter how big or small, everyone's still going through something. So I think if I could say something to anyone is, you know, don't dismiss people um, just because you don't think that they're going through things or it's not as big as you because everyone's got something going on in their life. Yeah. Everyone everyone's got some sort of mental hurdle they're trying to get past or get over. And, um, just to even be there just to talk. Like I had one of my teammates, um, I gave him a ride home one day and honestly, he's not one of the guys I talk to all the time. And he's kind of started talking to me about stuff and opening up. And I'm like, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't know it was that bad. You know, like, and I just told him like, not something I'd probably hang out with. But I was like, Hey man, like we all go through stuff. And I know you have, you know, your wife or girlfriend here, but, um, if you need to talk to someone on the team, you know, I'm, I'm here for you, man, because that's all it takes is to change someone's life. I think, um, whether, you, whether you're going through something or you, or you can help someone, um, I, I think that's huge. Just, just saying that you can, you can, you know, Hey, come talk to me if you need so need to, um, like for you, I mean, I, I love the fact that after all the stuff that you had gone through, um, and I remember calling, talking to you and then maybe a couple hours later you called me right away and I, I could hear it in your voice right away. And I was like, Oh no. But I, I, like I said, as much stuff as we shoot back and forth, each other, I felt, I feel very good when someone feels comfortable enough to come to me right. to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, and like I said before, I'm more of a, probably a more motivational side of things, but I, I think I can give pretty good insight and help for sure. But I also know that sometimes the way I come at it, it's more direct and sometimes people don't like that. So you got to tiptoe around the issues, but um, everyone's different. You just got to find what works for some people, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 you know, going back to what you had mentioned, you know, everybody at some point throughout their day, they got to come home, right. And they're, they're going to be alone. Um, and so we don't always have, you know, it's bedtime, you know, we got to be alone. Some people can't fall asleep within two minutes that some people takes 30 minutes, some people takes an hour. Um, and you're not on your phone as your eyes are closed, right? So you're, you're, you're in your mind. And so yeah. that's when all the stuff that you had been distracting yourself from throughout the day, whether it be working out or work or calling somebody or scrolling on Instagram, whatever the case is, that's, it's all different forms of suppressing of not dealing with that stuff. Right. But it, mm -hmm. man, I'm just, uh, just listening to how you speak about your father, it's just like for any parents out there that might be listening to this, like your father, man, like what an incredible human to, to set you up with the tools. It's, it's probably your father's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You could probably contribute, contribute it to your father. The fact that you were able to get through, you know, his passing, you know, and still 18 years later, still be doing good. Of course you get sad at times, right? Or I would imagine around Christmas time, you know, like you said, you, you, you had such an incredible relationship with him and he passed before you even went to college before you signed. I would imagine it would have been something that you would have been so proud of to have your father 
in the stands, you know, but man, like it's interesting because I was just, I just finished reading a book called the art of living. And in this book, it talks about how, even though our parents may, may pass away or our kids or our, our brothers and sisters, they're still very much with us. So when you talk about your mom or your sister mentioning that, Oh man, you sound just like, just like dad, or you, just, you sound just like your father. Well, it's because he's still with you, you know, and, and how you smile and, and how you're able to have this conversation, you know? And yeah. I just think that that is just so beautiful. And man, it's just like, it's, it's like, it's inspiring me because I, myself, I'm a father, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to, my kids are a lot younger, you know, they're four and six years old, but I'm already at this point, even though I'm not currently with them, I'm still trying to plant these seeds. And I, I actually just yesterday, I was on the phone with, with, uh, with my daughter Harper and my son Nash had, had hit her and she was upset. And so I tried going through like just a quick little breathing exercise. Like, Hey babe, you want to know what I do when I get angry? Sometimes I just, I just focus on my breathing. And she, yeah. although she didn't want to do it right then, it's still in her mind. And when I get home, I'll practice those things. So why I'm saying that is that because I'm trying to, you know, incorporate these types of tools for my daughter and son to, to, to learn so that when they get later in life and they go through difficult times, now they have some tools to overcome these things. So it sounds like that's exactly what your father did, right? As, yeah, just going on to that about your daughter there. So mine was when I got angry um, because I used to work out with my dad a lot, especially as a, as a young kid. Um, even at that age, I was trying to you know, try to mimic, you know, he's doing push-ups, I do push-ups. Yeah. So it was the same thing. Like when I got, when I was getting upset at those times, uh, he would say some push-ups yeah. and by the time you, you know, and everyone's like, well, that's, and it's, it wasn't like do push-ups like, well, well you got to do them to work out. It was like, it was just took your mind off everything. You, right. you waste all the energy doing these things instead of focus on the actual, the actual problem. Right. Um, and it was a very good way for me to like, just reset and focus on how many could I do? Could I do them? You know what I mean? Could I do them well? Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, parents need to realize what we say and, or what say and what you do, even though you think that they don't notice, kids notice and they pick up these things. Um, I think you said something on your, your Instagram today, today about, you know, about, about your son putting ranch on his eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he probably wouldn't have done that, but like you let him kind of find out for himself, like what he likes. Right. Instead of, we don't do this in our house, you know, but I know what, what they like. Um, but he probably thought, you know, default method, he saw you do it maybe. And he's like, I, I like ketchup too, because yeah. daddy does it. So we must be good. Right. Um, I think those things are, are huge. Um, and how we, you know, I'd say most kids will follow kind of the path of, you know, how their parents treat them or how they act. Like, we subconsciously pick up these things, mm. um, these, these traits and um, these work habits and, and, and these sort of, sort of things. And um, we met in like the mental toughness stuff. We, we, we give these things to the youth and to other people by our actions and by how we treat people. Um, you know, I, I recall one time with my dad, I might've been maybe nine at the time. And we were doing push-ups with our feet on the stairs, you know, like the elevated ones. And he, he challenged me to do something. I was like, okay, whatever. And then he kept giving me this, you know, I was doing them pretty good. I don't know how many I got up to, but and he was like, all right, do five more. And I, you know, banged him out five more, five more. And the couple of points I was like, it's like, I was like really barely getting him. He's like, all right, one more, like one more, like one more. And I was like, really like shaking, you know, and I just like got to whatever and I collapsed and I'm, you know, 
in tears crying. He's like, well, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, I couldn't do one more rep. He's like, what? like, you know, but I think at, at that point, without him knowing it, because he, he, you know, he always told me that, that, you know, put a little extra in it, it goes a long way. That meant to prepare me to be able to give a little bit more mm. in um, the physical aspect of things. Like, mm. always give a little bit more. Like, there's always a little bit more in the tank. Um, and for the athletes out there, I think <laughs> usually your mind gives up before your body will. And if you can get past the mental hurdle of, oh, we're doing these suicides today, blah, blah, we're doing these laps. Like, <laughs> every time now when we're doing it, I hear guys complain. I'm just like, man, like, this is not that I've been doing this since I was like 10 years old, you know? Because mentally I've built up that strength to be like, hey, I've done this before. I'm not going to die from doing this. Right. I've been here before. Let's just get through it. Even on the days where you don't feel like you're just not in the mood, let's just battle through it. And I think that's where you build that mental strength up mm. to, to break down, to be able to get through other little things in your life. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and it's, uh, man, this is like so perfect with all the, literally all the things that you've been speaking about. None of this you were born with, right? All of this stuff happened to you along your journey. All these things happened to you. The, you know, the passing of your father, the racial discrimination things that have gone on. So that's so that's right in line with how I view mental health. It's not necessarily things that we're born with, but things that happen to us that have impacts on our on our mental states. And while Greg here had incredible tools to overcome these situations and experiences, there's many people out there that don't. And so these same types of situations that Greg went through would have a much larger impact. Not to say it didn't have an impact on Greg, but again, he had those tools right? But there, again, there are so many people that don't have those tools. So you can certainly understand how, you know, this type of stuff, like the passing of a father, like that's, that's a catastrophic event. That's trauma, right? And if it happens at a younger age of say five years old, we don't even understand that we have healing to do, but that energy, the, the, the impact on our mind is going to stay with us for many, many years. And it's going to come up at random times in life, right? So buddy, I, um, Unless you have more to say, I like I uh, that was incredible. Um, some of this stuff we've never even spoken about, and so right here, you know, I learned so much more about you, and I've gained another level of respect for you. And and I and again, like I had mentioned the other day, I believe our friendship, our brotherhood, is going to grow from this this one one hour conversation. Um, so, like I said, that that could be it. And, and again, if you wanted to to say more or leave the people with anything motivational or any ET style, um, <laughs> go go right ahead. Um, yeah, man. Kind of like what you said, like, uh, we've talked so much over the whatever, 10, whatever years that we've known each other about everything. Um, you know, but there, there's so many things that I, I could keep on touching upon. Um, but I think one of the things just going back, um, for all the good stuff mentally, you know, a lot of, I've kind of talked more about the, the things I've been able to overcome because of mental stuff, like that were kind of easier for, or felt easier for me. Mm. There are hand things like academically, you know, where I wasn't very good, especially academics, you know, like uh, the special education stuff um, that I had to go through and, and my reading skills weren't up to par all the time and my spelling. And I really had to like try to dig deep and that stuff was terrible for me, mm -hmm. especially, you know, when you're a kid, you got to, you know, read in front of the class and you're not very comfortable reading and stuff. And those things plagued me okay. uh, through, through, uh, you know, like middle school and high school. Um, and I don't know what, what changed. Like I hated reading in front of people. I hated, uh, you know, public speaking in front of people and, and this sort of thing. And the funny thing is, is that 
all of that kind of changed when one of the, the teachers in high school was able to tell me like, listen, you, you want to be this, this hockey star, right? And I'm like, yeah. And the way it was broken down to me was like, you better get comfortable doing this if this is what you really want. Mm. Because, and, and I have to, have to give her credit to this day because um, I still see her. And it's funny how she was able to like, get me to like really focus in and practice and feel comfortable doing these things because she's like, when you're shooting those commercials, when you have to read the scripts, when you have to do this, you have to do the interviews. And I was like, okay. And that was my, that was the way that she was able to kind of trick my, my mental mindset into thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to have to practice because these are things I want to get good at because of I'm going to be an NHL all-star someday. <laughs> and these are things I have to, I have to, uh, I have to be, you know, proficient at, um, but, but yeah, so, you know, for all the positive stuff that I said, I was able to overcome, like I said, there's still stuff that, um, you know, I can't really pinpoint all of them, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. As I think about it. Um, but there are still so many, you know, weaknesses that I probably have mentally. I don't even know about, like, for instance, uh, relationship wise, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, mentally can't get over the hurdle of being like you know i want to be with one person my whole life um and just settling down like that um you know i don't know why but you know i i believe it goes back to you know with my father getting close to people and then stuff happening to them yeah um, that's my belief in myself and and that's why i struggle mentally like because i've always heard from people like oh you're so nice but like there's something missing like you're you still got this wall up you still got this blockage of you know things and that's something i've really tried to work on and it's one of those things where as much as i try to knock down those walls it's something that it, i can't do for my i can't do it consistently enough where yeah. it's where it's an open door and you know come on in everybody right. um but i recognize that myself and i try to 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 change that and, and mentally overcome the, that that blockage there um but you know uh we work on it and you each one get better each day and um for anyone else out there listening uh, i just like to say um listen you're not going even though you may think you're going through stuff alone um you're not everyone's got something going on and uh you know find someone that you trust or maybe even someone that you that you don't even know that well um, sometimes strangers can be the, can be your best friend and, um, you know, I hope everyone, you know, is able to overcome and find someone that they can help out. And if you're in a good spot yourself, help someone else out. Um, you know, we're, we're all human here and, um, you know, I don't, like you said, you don't know where you would be if you hadn't met me and I don't know where I'd be if I haven't met you because, um, you know, from the last, especially the last handful of years, mm. man, we've talked a lot. Right. And, um, about you know motivation and and mental health and stuff like that and and um you know now that i'm gonna get older i try to spread it to like the younger players on my team right. um all these kind of these things and you know get them to understand when the coach is yelling at you it's not personal mm. it's you have like you have to do these things because what he's yelling at you about is the same thing i got yelled at for when i was playing right. um and how to mentally not go on the deep end like oh he doesn't like me mm. has nothing to do with like or hate it's you know trying to make you the best player that you are and if you can get past that hurdle and mentally say to myself say to yourself okay i'm he's 
he's saying it to me this way because he's tried it to, he's tried to be soft with me, try to be, Hey, so he's trying to figure out ways sometimes to say, um, to get the message across. Right. But yeah. Um, anything motivational is, um, yeah, just, <laughs> you know, uh, work hard, have fun. <laughs> well, there you go, baby. Um, already brother. Well, again, thank you so much for coming. I'm truly, truly grateful for this experience and to have you. And I, and I know for sure, uh, with all, with all that you shared that there's going to be many people out there that are going to find some, um, potentially some similarities in their own path, their own story. And potentially Greg, now you've been the key to unlock them to, you know, maybe go down their own path of healing from, from again, things that happen to us. Um, so anyhow, buddy, thank you so much for joining me on episode number seven of the RAV with JLN raw, authentic, and vulnerable. Um, and again, don't, uh, for anybody listening, don't, don't hesitate to leave a review. Um, and again, it gives you more access to all of my content across this sports epreneur platform. Already my man. Well, buddy, again, it was, it was great having you and I look forward to the next one. Oh, thanks for having me, bud. Take all it right. easy. Yeah.